0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Superhero Ethics Podcast. Today, we are going deep into my absolute favorite realm of geekery: Star Wars. As Becky Allen, who was our great guest um, uh, about a year ago uh, for a discussion of Rogue One and the hero's journey, has come back to talk to us about um, the Last Jedi. And we're going to be talking about the Last Jedi um, uh, from a number of different perspectives, talking about it in terms of uh, what we loved about the movie, what what maybe didn't work, uh, concepts of failure, and how failure works in storytelling. And also talking about um, some of the, the discussions that's happened around this movie and some of the people who don't like it and, and what that kind of has to say about fandom. Um, so it would be myself, Matthew, and Jacob's also joining us. Uh, Becky, how are you doing today?
1: Uh, I'm doing pretty well. I'm I'm really excited to have this conversation. It was a nice excuse to go see the movie
0: again. <laughs> I, I'm glad. I'm a little sad that I didn't uh, take up that excuse. Uh, I, I, I do want to see it again sometime soon. And Jacob, how are you doing today?
2: I also wish I had taken the time to go and see Last Jedi again. I really enjoyed it. Uh, it, it, But uh, other than that, I'm doing quite well. I just have regrets.
0: (laughs) I understand. (laughs) I understand. Well, I will definitely be seeing it again soon, although Black Panther is the next thing I have tickets for, which I'm super excited about. Um, But let's jump right in. Becky, what was your kind of overall feeling about the movie when you saw Last Jedi, especially now that you've seen it a second time?
1: I I loved it, and I think I actually loved it more the second time, because the first time I was so worried about everyone, um, (laughs) and like, so anxious, and like, edge of my seat, and like, freaking out, and I didn't know what was going to happen, and it kept sort of surprising me and throwing me for a loop. Um, So the second time I saw it, when I I knew what was going to happen, and I knew which of the various climactic scenes was the actual climax, um, and... Sort of how all of the pieces fit together, I was able to relax a little bit and catch, I think, a lot of really cool, good storytelling in the first half
0: um, mm-hmm. that, that really made me appreciate it even more. What, what were some of the things you were afraid of as you were going into it that first time and stuff you were worried about?
1: Um, I was worried. I think my big thing towards the end, like, you know, spoilers, obviously. um, But the the, near the climax, when Finn looks like he's going to sacrifice himself, I was really worried they were actually going to go there. Mm -hmm. Um, I was worried because we knew Carrie Fisher had passed away. I was very worried in the scene, uh, relatively like in the first half, when the ship gets blown up, and she appears to be dying, and then she doesn't, and she uses the Force, and it's amazing. Um, but I was, like, really worried about if they were going to to kill Leia, to deal with Carrie Fisher not being around. Um, and just general anxiety, because I love all of these characters so much, and yeah. I want good, happy things for them, even though that's not good <laughs> storytelling. Um, and you know, would would it all live up to what what I had hoped and dreamed? Um, so like, yeah, having that kind of emotional investment in it, which I absolutely do, can make watching a movie really <laughs> quite nerve
0: wracking. I, I I can totally understand that. Um, Jacob, what about you? What was your what was your take on seeing the movie?
2: So I knew going into it that this was going to be the equivalent of The Empire Strikes Back in in this new trilogy. So I knew kind of what to expect but uh, and and since we had seen um we had seen uh force awakens already uh, i had a bit more of an idea of okay maybe these these people seem like they know what they're doing with the star wars franchise so i wasn't worried quite so much about it being uh the kind of tire fire i felt that attack of the clones was (laughs) uh i have very strong opinions on star wars movies Uh, but the my I had a lot of concerns about how they were going to handle uh, Luke's mentorship of Ray, uh, about how they were going to handle the ongoing plotline with with uh, Kylo Ren with Ben Solo, and how they were going to deal with the fact that Carrie Fisher had passed away. Uh, and I was not only pleasantly surprised with with all of those and uh, how those things were handled, but I was surprised at the things I wasn't thinking about about uh how they continuously and not to uh, jump into a point that we're going to talk about later but how they continuously had uh Po's ideas seem like what they would have done you know if this movie were 20 years ago it would have seemed like mm-hmm. yes this is the heroic thing to do it's constantly having that like blow up in his face uh i i was pleasantly surprised i thought that was really good storytelling
0: yeah, I mean, I, I definitely went through quite an emotional sort of journey on this movie because I, I went into it with a lot of fears, a lot of the stuff you talked about, Becky. Um, a lot of, you know, I mean, I was, I, I was one of those kids for whom Luke Skywalker was my absolute first hero. You know, I, I saw Return of the Jedi. I, I, Return of the Jedi is the first movie I can ever remember watching in a theater. Um, and, and I was really afraid about that. I was afraid about where they were going to go with Ray and Kylo. Um, and I, I especially spent a good part of the movie um, especially in that second half, being very worried because I thought they were telling the story that I think you're supposed to think that they're telling, where Poe is going to be the brave noble hotshot who saves the day from the idiot stick-in-the-mud female um, admiral. And and that was a story that I was really uncomfortable with the idea that they were going to be showing. And, and I think I kind of now want to see it again where I will know that that's not what's happening. Um but, and, and in some ways, like, it, it made that almost, that one part of the movie kind of really nerve wracking. But for me, at least, it made the payoff of when you realize what their plan was. And this whole thing really is about, you know, Poe being the idiot hotshot guy who just, you know, can't think with anything but, you know, his, his, his combat flying. flying ideas. In, his co- in his cockpit. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and seeing that be turned on its head so well, I just thought was such a brilliant thing.
1: Yeah, no, I I really appreciated the way that he got to grow. Um, I Watching it the second time, mm-hmm. I liked Aldo a lot more as a character. Um, I do think that the franchise, like it had some issues because she was not in The Force Awakens, so right. we didn't have a sense of who she was or emotional attachment, and so it was difficult to tell whether the movie wanted us to trust her or wanted us to trust Poe, and right. I felt like, that when she first introduces herself and doesn't necessarily, and basically tells Poe to go to his station and do his work and not cause trouble, right. that makes a lot of sense because he had just gotten in a lot of trouble and caused a lot of chaos and, and havoc. havoc. Um, but then it continues when he asks her perfectly reasonable questions. She kind of withholds answers and gives everybody a lecture about hope, but. That feels really weird, and it it works yeah. for the message of the movie, but in terms of storytelling, it feels like withholding information just for the sake of plot tension, which is not my favorite thing for a storyteller to do.
2: To be fair, that that is exactly what they were doing, right? You're absolutely right that that uh, uh, there wasn't. There's a somewhat good reason if you buy into the whole like need to know military command thing um where the plan only works if people can't leak the plan um and actually we get a we get a perfect moment where that is in fact what happens somebody leaks the plan the plan no longer works right uh or, or it has now become compromised so there's there there's some elements to withholding the information that, that is tied into the plot, but it was a little bit lazy in spots. I definitely agree with you there.
1: Yeah. Well, especially because the leak that happens only happens because people felt obligated to try and come up with a plan of their own because their leader was not sharing the fact that there even was a plan. Right. And so that to me reinforced that that was not a great idea. Um, And I also, I just sort of felt like, the moment where um, Haldo and Leia say goodbye to each other would have been much more powerful if we had gotten really a chance to see them interact, which yeah. we couldn't. She was a new character in this movie. Um, but those those are storytelling things, which, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a writer. That sort of, when I can see the storytelling wheels turning like that, it, it tends to take me out of the movie a little bit um, because I just want to have it wash over me and not yeah. the mechanics.
0: And let me actually ask you about that, because especially as a writer, and I, <clears throat> we're getting off on a kind of a tangent, but I think this is a great question. And then I want to dive into another thing they did as writers, which is that use of failure. But, um, and maybe this is even playing into the, the topic of failure. I left it sort of feeling like I wasn't sure what they were doing. And a lot of it depended on how much credit I give the writers. Because on the one hand, I could see that as the writers so badly wanted that moment of you thinking they're going in this totally other direction and then the huge reveal and and they went so far with it to the point of making it a little bit nonsensical. Or is it maybe that part of what they're trying to show is that clearly Poe is much more in the wrong and Poe is, you know, being this idiot hothead, but also trying to show that the Admiral was um, perhaps not being quite as aware of the need of the people under her to have some sort of a sense of plan. Um, Am I giving them too much credit by thinking that maybe that was all intentional, not as lazy writing, but as attempt to make her an even more nuanced character or or do you think it really was just kind of a, a writing issue?
1: Um to me, it felt more like a writing issue, but I really like the idea of it being character nuance yeah. um, because I am all for having more more female characters in general, but especially with that kind of nuance and personality. It's just again, it's very hard to have yeah. a character like that walk in, establish her and give her that kind of depth and nuance that tends to come from character interactions and relationships without having the investment in her or getting to see her do much of that kind of interacting.
0: I, I mean, it, even just as I'm thinking about it, I, I I could easily imagine some scenes with her and Leia being so interesting because Leia is herself, you know, quite the hothead. Like, you know, she, mm-hmm. she saves uh, Luke and Han in the very first movie by being the one to act decisively. And and I think there could have been a, if if we established her and uh, Holder and Leia having that kind of attention that could have that could have paid off so well in that scene. Um, yeah.
2: And they do too, they do pay some service uh, when they introduce the character on screen first time, um, and I forget uh, which character utters it. It might have been Ben Poe uh, speaking her name with a certain amount of reverence and. and Paying, there was some lip service to some made up event to, to quickly shorthand that this is somebody who's worthy of respect, who has done something very admirable, very uh, uh, heroic, so that, you know, to try to shortcut the fact that, and this could be apocryphal, but I thought I was given to understand that the character was originally going to be Admiral Akbar. Uh, I actually like that they gave us a new character in Holdo more. Mm-hmm. I felt that it, it it allowed them to explore uh, another angle on the story, another message in the story that I felt was necessary. Uh, and clearly by the fandom's reaction, and that's getting to a later topic, uh, was necessary. Right. Um,
0: I mean, if nothing else, the, the gender the... dynamic between her and Poe seems such an important part of that story right. and of his questioning of her.
2: But, but on, on Becky's point, because, I, again, I, I do agree, I also think that... Though Poe's plotline doesn't make as much sense, doesn't really work, unless to us as the observers, his actions do feel justified in those moments. Does that make sense? We have to kind of be in his head and experience his failure with him in order for it to be as impactful as it was.
1: I think that makes sense. And that's sort of what the movie had to deal with because Poe was going to be the point of view character for that because he's the one the audience knows. Um, and I think see, seeing him grow and mature was really effective. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if we're going to talk about the gender dynamic, the, the one note that I have there is that I am not super into introducing a female character and then having her die so that the male character we've been rooting for can learn an important lesson. Yeah.
2: Uh, Fair.
1: But but it didn't, I will to give the movie credit, it didn't feel like that. It didn't feel like uh, a fridging and it, it it worked well because Holdo was a really interesting character and I really do honestly wish that we'd gotten more of her um, that she'd been in previous movies or that we were getting more media about her story before this because yeah. I really desperately want to see like Holdo and Leia and Leia getting to mentor another woman and have those interactions when all of the movies we've seen have really been Leia surrounded by men.
2: So to, to try to just to, real quick, cause I know we should probably move on to one of the next points soon. Uh, but for our, Listeners who might not actually know of the trope or the term, Becky, could you explain what you meant when you said fridging?
1: Oh, yes. Sorry. So fridging is short for women in refrigerators, um, which I'm blanking on the name of the comic book writer who uh, came up with it. But it was a reference to when a Green Lantern uh, came home and found his girlfriend had been murdered and chopped up and left in the refrigerator for him to find and her death and murder was entirely packaged for his angst and character growth. Um, and it was sort of calling out that as a really common trope. Yeah. Um, and I believe the the criteria she laid out is when a female character is either murdered, raped, or depowered um, for sort of among superheroes. Uh, and that happens specifically in service to a male character's journey or angst or feelings um Uh, i i don't think that's really what they did with holdo i think she was enough of a character in her own right that it it didn't quite hit that but when you sort of step back and look at the gender dynamics and poe's arc and how she played into that it it was a little bit poe learns a lesson and also this really interesting character sacrifices herself sort of as part of that
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and i just i just uh, googled it quickly it's gail simone was the author um, and I'll post a link to the, uh, the wiki page on, on fridging, cause it's a really important concept. And it's, it's one actually I was, uh, Jacob, I was thinking that that was one, uh, a whole other topic we could have talked about in terms of the Punisher show. Um, cause the mm-hmm. Punisher is a perfect example of fridging. Um, with, with, <laughs> with, his wife, Death, being the, the thing, all we ever know about her is that she loved him and that she died to make him who he is. Um, and yeah, and, and I, I remember having really mixed feelings about that with, with, with Holdo because, um, on the one hand, like, her sacrifice plays into other people's stories in these really frustrating ways. It also gives a – it gives us the, the one really wonderful moment we get between her and Leia is at the moment of her sacrifice. And I also think the way she dies, destroying one of the other ships and the power that they put into that moment is one of the most effective moments in the entire movie. Um, I mean just the – I still remember the chills I got um, when everything goes silent uh, as she does that Um So it it was such a complex moment, but I'm also really glad you're highlighting that, you know, in some ways, maybe even her death would have had even more power if it was as a character note for her instead of it being a character note for Poe in that kind of a way.
1: Yeah, and again, I think she's the, the piece that stands out to me as one of the most interesting to talk about because it feels like there is sort of, I don't want to say narrative clumsiness because I do think they did a pretty good job but there was some sort of narrative dancing around of trying to figure out how to fit a new piece in and treat it as an established piece. Yeah. And so I think that that makes everything around her stand out as a feeling a little bit more rough
0: compared to the
1: other storylines. And there were so many storylines.
0: You know, and I, I have to say, the new Han Solo pre uh, prequel trailer is out, and I'm just not excited for that movie. And And even as I think of this idea, I think actually I don't really probably want anyone else playing a younger Leia Uh, with Carrie Fisher gone, but, but if we are, if we have to get more prequel movies, I certainly would not mind something that's more of Leia's story. Um, and that, that allows that relationship between two of them to be told in some new way.
1: I I think that would be really
0: interesting. I
1: would love to see, even if Leia's not in it, to see a story about Holdo.
0: Yeah. Um, well, and so let's talk, because we're talking about Poe's failure and we're, and, and maybe we're talking about Holdo's failure in, in a lot of ways. And I know, Becky, that was one of the, the, the things you were excited to talk about in terms of the idea of how this movie uses failure as a storytelling technique. Um, what, what, what's, what, what especially as a writer and, and, as I know as a, uh, people who heard you on our last podcast know this, we haven't really kind of talked about how much of a, a huge Star Wars fan I know you are and have been ever since you were a kid, uh, like Jacob and I. Um, what, what was the the power of failure for you in this in this story as a storytelling technique?
1: So what stood out to me is that so to to go back to the hero's journey a little bit one of the pieces of the hero's journey is sort of the dark night of the soul or when you know the darkest moment when things go bad and that's usually what you know plucks the hero up to go win in the end. Right. And right. this story was really interesting to me because it, there was that aspect to it. I think that's why it's the middle of a trilogy. Um, but at the same time, the way that they allowed heroes to fail, I don't think is something that you see in most heroic media in most, you know, Star Wars or superhero movies. Um, they genuinely, the characters failed and it was genuinely their fault and it had genuine consequences.
0: So like how would you – because I think the first thought a lot of folks would have, and I, I think I know what you mean about how they're different, but I'd love to hear you say more about it, is isn't the end of Empire a failure? How, how, how do you think that this is different than uh, Empire ending with you know Luke confronting Vader and failing and Han being captured and things like that?
1: Well, I think – so Han being captured is the closest parallel, but there's also – you can go into that being – pretty sure that they're gonna go rescue him right. and Luke confronting Vader um, is to me not necessarily a, a failure um, It it is a game changer and it changes Luke's goal because um, that's sort of when it becomes trying to redeem Vader because now he has a reason to and he has a personal attachment because he didn't know it but it turns out that Vader is Luke's father, spoiler um <laughs> Um, And so that to me wasn't like, oh, he tried and he failed. He was actually going there to try and save his friends and he didn't fully succeed. But I also don't think he fully failed. Whereas this started by having Poe do something that looked like a really cool action movie sequence, which if you had made it the climax of most movies would have really worked. um, And then saying... Actually, that's not as great as it seems because you got all of these people killed and pay attention to the consequences and what we've lost. And then it allows for um, for Finn and Rose, who have gone off to try and do their plucky mission to save the rebel fleet because uh, they don't think that Halda was doing it, and they uh, they're going off and they've got this really complicated plan... And their plan fails. It just flat out, full on fails. They don't save anyone. More people get killed because of them. And they like, they almost cause the destruction of the fleet. And that is not something that we usually think of as heroic. Um, so you have those. And then you also have Luke repeatedly saying the Jedi are failures. I'm a failure. I failed Ben. I failed my friends. I can't save anyone because I am a failure. Right. Um, and so there was just really like thematically, the movie was about, was sort of about the push and pull between failure and hope. Um, and how I think in the end you can fail, but as long as you still have hope, you can move forward. Um, but the fact that it allowed the, the way the characters learned that to be through incredibly genuine and horrifying loss because usually we don't want to see our heroes lose and we don't want our heroes to be responsible for other people's deaths. Um, I think that's, for example, like one of the big problems a lot of people had with man of steel and DC movies in general. Um, And so having heroes be responsible for that kind of death, but also accept that that was on them and that they did something wrong and that they have to figure out how to move on from that and be better because of that. Was just to me not what I expected because in Star Wars, you expect the cocky flyboy who takes out the dreadnought to be celebrated, not slapped down. Right. Um, it, it really did a lot of things that I did not expect, and I just thought it did them really well.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with that a lot. Uh, in particular, the fact that they continue to take these very common uh, storytelling elements we've been seeing in. in Variety of of media, mostly in uh, things involving superheroes or or uh, these sort of space opera things like Star Wars, and sort of turning in modern era a bit and actually showing us, hey, there's real consequences. And in this case, like there's this thing this person did that was actually silly or a bad idea. They were told it was a bad idea, and then it was a bad idea, and here's why. Uh, which I really appreciated. It felt like a much more mature. Uh, story to me for that reason because it was actually dealing with really quite frankly adult uh, issues and adult themes and honestly if you look at the uh, the original and by original I mean uh, a new hope empire which is the Jedi story it's actually a bit more adolescent than what we're getting so far out of the force awakens and the last Jedi and I'm not even sure that's that's unintentional if that makes sense.
1: I will say, I don't think that there's anything less good about being an adolescent story as nope, a writer of I... young adult fiction, um, but it is a very different <laughs> kind of story. Yeah, yeah
2: I, I, right, right. right. I, I'm, I'm, and thank you very much for, for saying that, because that, that wasn't what I was getting at. Uh, I just wanted to, to try to draw a line between the, the maturity with which our characters' actions are responded to by others, uh, I feel, was much higher, especially in The Last Jedi. If that, does that yeah. make sense?
1: It yeah. does, and I and I think that the last Jedi was also very careful to, to sort of not make the losses just faceless people, and you're sad, which I think was something that did actually happen in the Force Awakens with the Star Killer base. There were four or five planets that were blown up, but and we, we don't know anything about planets. them. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas in was this movie,
2: legacy... them... hmm? i sorry, wasn't one of them Coruscant? Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs>
1: It, it could have been, but I, I don't remember drawing that association, but it could well have been. Um, right. But in this, like, you see Admiral Akbar dies, uh, and Leia very nearly dies, and they spend time with um, Rose's sister, Paige, I think, Yep. Um, at the beginning of the movie. And you see her struggle and succeed and die, and you see the impact that that has on Rose. And so even though we didn't know her ahead of time, you can still... It's treated with a, a, a gravity that I think that other movies in this franchise have not always done.
0: Well, and I think that's so true and I really like especially the point – especially when we compare it to like the failures of Empire is that here it's not just that things go badly. It's that things go badly and it's our, our character's fault and – that they don't get to have the sort of glorious moment of failure. I mean, cause it, especially as I was thinking about, you know, the, the Han being captured at the end of Empire, you know, right before he gets frozen in carbonite, he gets to have the most cocky flyboy iconic moment probably of the entire movie series, you know, the I love you, I know moment. Um, I will say I'm a sucker. I love that moment so much. Oh, it's 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 fantastic. I think it's some of the greatest writing that's ever been in the Star Wars uh, universe. But but as I, I'm thinking about it, I'm like, I'm like, of course that doesn't feel like a failure, because that's his way of saying, like, sure, I'm about to be locked in carbonite, but I've got these wonderful friends and this amazing person I love, and I'm cocky as hell, and so everything's going to be okay. And that feels so different, I think you're right, from Poe and Finn and all of them realizing, like they're just about completely defeated. And it's mostly because of the decisions they've been making.
2: Yeah. And yet nobody gives up like even, um, so, so the, the moment with Finn, uh, where he's you know, going to be executed and he's just, even in that moment, it's just bald faced defiance. And there's no, like you sort of made it, at least to me, it felt like, okay, yeah, this is where this has gotten us. And nothing has worked out. Um, that to me actually felt very similar to that that Han Solo moment because he was still saying I'm going out on my own terms. It was still a very heroic way of facing one's uh, one's defeat.
0: Yeah. Well, and let's let's dive a little more into uh, one of the characters who Becky you alluded to. But we haven't really talked about much, which is Luke. Um, where because I think Luke's journey is one of the it, to me is is both one of the most interesting parts of the movie, um, but also I know is one of the ones that's gotten most hotly debated. Um, what's what's your take on luke especially in terms of the failure like him failing ben him failing ray him failing himself um what what's your what's your perspective on luke um i loved it
1: i love i loved it again because it's such an unexpected thing because luke skywalker is a hero yeah like that's that's what we got a whole trilogy about and we've seen him grow up and become a hero and it's so easy I think when you're used to dealing with snippets of fiction like you know a, a discrete story to say well that's how it ends and so that's who the character is and something with like this which we're now visiting you know a generation later to see that just because you were a hero and you did something really remarkable and incredible doesn't mean that everything you do is remarkable and incredible and to say that Luke recognized that and doesn't want to be considered a hero. Um, I thought that that was really fascinating and really sort of held the story together thematically. Yeah. Um, but he also, he had given up hope and cut himself off from the force um, and had not learned from that failure, which is, I'm glad I saw the movie again because I caught, knowing the themes, I caught a quote from Yoda that I hadn't the first time when he says to Luke, you know, the failure, the best teacher is. Mm. And that was really sums up. I think a lot of what the movie was doing. Yeah. Um, and so, the movie lets Luke again have genuinely failed. That I think, in some ways, his failure is, for for the watcher, more devastating than some of the other deaths because his failure is what created Kylo Ren. His failure is what led to Han's death. Like, yeah, those those are things that have a lot of weight in this story. Um,
0: the, the
1: and movie, so, oh, go ahead. Oh, it's just so him having failed and then cutting himself off instead of grappling and learning from that. And then he finally has this moment where he realizes, oh, I have been hanging on to the past too much. I have been cut off too much. I have to accept that I really screwed up. And accepting it doesn't just mean saying those words. It means doing the work to fix it and move forward. Um, and that, to me, is really powerful.
0: Yeah. And, and, and what, one of the things that I was so struck by was, and it's only a one or two throwaway line, But in some ways, I feel like it winds up becoming so meta in terms of this discussion of people who are so upset about what happened to Luke is where he says that part of the problem was that there grew up – he was no longer Luke Skywalker the man. He was Luke Skywalker the legend, Luke Skywalker the hero, Luke Skywalker the man who could rebuild the Jedi. And, and, And again, he says very little of it, but I could read so much into it, this idea of him Having allowed himself to kind of buy into some of that of his own mythology and how dangerous that can be, and how much, you, you know, to me, it, 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 I don't think they ever explicitly said this, but I, but I, I, part of what I took of it was that by him sort of buying into that, that myth of his own arrogance and that, that, that myth of his own greatness. He winds up repeating the same mistake that that, that Obi Wan makes with with Anakin of you know thinking that he can raise someone like Ben without it going the direction it does.
1: Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that.
2: And then, of course, that that ties directly into uh, his uh, hesitance, his reticence to um, teach Ray, uh, in spite of her insistence and in spite of of. Uh, Honestly, her seeming uh, very well seeming very motivated to try to effectively fix his mistake for him, um, which he's not seeing it that way, and I don't think she's seeing it that way. But uh, a big part of her motivation is to is to deal with Ben. Uh, I really would like to go into uh, Ray more, uh, actually, because the the whole concept of of her not because when Luke goes to confront Vader, uh, the intent is to okay, we're I'm going to end this, right? right? It's not to try to understand uh, his counterpart. Um, but when Ray goes to confront Ben, Rey is fully convinced that she can get through to Ben and and bring him back, right? Which is the stance that Luke's taking in Return of the Jedi. Uh, sorry, that, that was a bit of a, a tangent from what you guys were talking about. It's just no, I, I started I... talking, and then
0: <laughs> I I think it's actually a really interesting one. And one Becky, I'd love because I know. Last time we talked, you talked about how much the character of Ray meant to you and why, and how that was such a powerful thing. Um, and I'm again, it, it was impossible to not see this movie in a lot of ways in terms of Empire. And at first, when Ray sort of flies off, kind of impulsively to go deal with Ben, it felt very much like a mirror of um, Luke, you know, flying away from Dagobah. But, but Jacob, I think you're right. It felt it all. The more I think about it, the more it feels like a very different, a much more thoughtful and perhaps much more potentially successful move um what was your take becky on on that moment but also just kind of raise raise arc in general
1: um oh gosh <laughs> so i i liked that moment um because it felt it really did feel like a way that history repeats itself and she is the the young jedi who's still learning and she is going to go save her friends because she has that absolute utter belief that she can do it and that is exactly what drove Luke. Um, and I think it illustrates how Luke has changed and not necessarily for the better, but but what a difference it's made now that he is somebody who has experienced failure and its consequences firsthand. Because he doesn't say, yeah, he's redeemable, even though this is literally the man who redeemed Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. Um he doesn't say, "Yeah, this kid is redeemable." He says, "Yeah, look at all of this death and horrible things that he's caused. You're not going to be able to save him." And Ray says, "Yes, I absolutely can." I, to me, again, I part of part of why I love Star Wars and part of why I love Ray is that sense of hope. Yeah. Like, I, to me, that's why Luke was a powerful character, and that's why Ray is one of many reasons why Ray is such a powerful character.
0: I, I may be again reading in too much to the writer's intentions, but do you think maybe part of why Luke doesn't want to? Th- doesn't want to think that Ray can save Ben is because that that makes Luke's individual failure even more important. That, like, if, if Ben is truly I, I, unsavable, then Luke is at least a little bit more off the hook.
1: I think that makes sense. I, I hadn't thought about it like that, but that really does not seem like a reach to me. Um, especially, so Luke, I think Luke, no matter what, holds himself responsible for Ben. He yeah. says, when Ray asks him, he says... I failed Ben when he describes going to confront Ben. He says he has this moment of weakness where after everything he'd been through, he could see the horrors that Ben was going to bring to the world. And he had a moment of weakness where he genuinely thought about killing his own nephew. Um, And of course that would be Luke's big weakness. And of course he wouldn't do it. We know he wouldn't do it because we know that he believes that people can be redeemed um, and that people can get better, but that he had that weakness and that that weakness is directly what created Kylo Ren. Um, Again, I think that that's a really interesting way to look at Luke as a person and not a legend. Um, And I I think, like, because that was what was fascinating to me. There's an exchange that he and Ray have where he he says, I failed Ben, and Ray says, Ben failed you. um and that even afterwards luke continues to frame it only as his own failure and so i think it it maybe would be a relief to him for it not to have been fully his failure but i think that he did very much accept that it was and he was going to have to find a way to fix his mistakes and that if ben is redeemable it would not be by him
0: what do you think um i I know we want to move on to finn and poe and then talk more about ray um do you think Luke needed to die at the end? Is is there an element for him that he needs to not not give penance, but to some extent that his his dying to save everyone else is in some way a, a kind of a redemption for him? I think so,
1: um, and that also I think thematically works well for Star Wars, where we also we saw you know Vader uh, when he had his moment of clarity and peace and turned against the Emperor, like. That, that was, a I think, a, a moment of, like, he, he wasn't trying to save himself, he was just doing the right thing. Yeah. Um, and I think Luke deciding that it was time to face the problems that he had created head-on, and that the, the, it's described when he when he vanishes, as it felt peaceful. And so I think that that was something that he, if he didn't know for sure it would happen, that he certainly considered as an outcome and had accepted because he was doing what he had to do to try and fix the mess that he'd created.
2: Mm-hmm. It, it, in many ways, was uh, parallel, or is paralleled to the scene in New Hope where Obi-Wan is confronting Vader. Yeah, I was make uh, the
0: exact same point.
2: Although, in that case, that really did feel like them continuing an argument that they'd had for ages, whereas Luke's um, projection onto, uh, I forget the name of the salt planet, uh, but in in subsequent confrontation with with Kylo Ren, with Ben, felt a lot more like, you've got a lot of anger directed at me and you need to kind of punch it out, so I'm going to give that moment to you. I felt like he maybe was a little overly antagonistic in doing that. And (laughs) that, that to to me still felt like Luke as a character uh, is still not buying into this idea that, that Ben, Ben will be redeemed, that that's the path that, that he's going to eventually walk and that he just wanted, like his only purpose was really to buy time. But there's a part of me who, that really wants to believe that um, Luke thought maybe Ray might have a point and In that he knew that kylo had a lot of anger that he needed to get out and the only way that was going to happen is by letting him you know punch at a very luke looking shadow for for a period of time
0: see and i I actually had a very different read on that scene is that i and again maybe i'm going too deep on this idea of uh you know obi-wan's failure with anakin and luke's failure with ben both being driven by their own sort of sense of their own self-worth and their arrogance um but to me, what I saw that is Luke, is Luke 100% buying into Ray's idea that Kylo can be saved or redeemed. But that the first thing that needs to happen is some holes need to be poked in his ego. And that, that, that scene to me is all about Luke basically trying to take Kylo down a few notches and trying to make him question the, the self-confidence and the, um, uh, the I know best, I don't need to think about anyone else, uh, in the hope that something else could happen there.
2: Becky, what was your take on that? I I'm curious.
1: Um, you know, I, I'm honestly not sure. I think, I think Luke exited hopeful that Ben could be redeemed, but that his goal when he, cause again, for me, looking at it from Luke's point of view, it was, this was my mistake and my failure. And now I need to actually engage with it and try and fix it. Yeah. And It wasn't, okay. I'm going to go try and save him um, because the the, I think the wound there was too deep and there was really no way that Luke could be the one who could do that. Um, And to a certain extent, maybe that meant he didn't want to believe that Ray could. Uh, And Ray, again, rejected that and said, yes, I absolutely can. and, And did that, you know, young, impulsive Jedi thing of just storming out to go do it. Uh, Which is great. Um, But that for Luke, it was saying, okay, if I can't save him, what else can I do to fix what I broke? And deciding that that was making sure that the resistance would live on and that Leia would survive and that the other characters who'd made it that far would get a chance to escape and come back and keep fighting. Um, And so for me, it was less thinking that he that um, Ben could be redeemed, and more Luke trying to figure out the most pragmatic, immediate way to help stop what he had put
0: in motion.
2: Yeah, I could get behind that. Yeah.
0: Well, and so let's. And I know we're going to come back to Luke and talk about the Jedi, uh, as well as to talk a lot more about Ray. But um, I know the other big failure, Becky, you had wanted to talk about was Finn and Finn and, and Rose. Um, what's and we, we we touched on it a bit, but again, there. What What do you think is the power of that? Of us getting to have kind of the you know the, the 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 second movie in the trilogy is almost always thought of as the romance, even if um you're like you're not like sand. You're you're not coarse. Is probably the least romantic line any of us have ever heard in our lives. At least I hope. Um, I, I don't know about your junior uh, high school dating experiences, but I hope that's the least romantic line any of us have ever heard.
2: But, no, there's there's worse ones in Attack of the Clones. Okay, uh, that, that's possible. I can but, pull them up if you like.
0: But but my my point was that if there is a real romance in um, I mean there actually is a real romance in this second movie, and it and it's it's uh Finn and Rose. Um, and so, what was your take both on that that story and also about how much you know fit, we, we get this kind of in some ways that is the most hopeful the most beautiful part of the, the movie we get, and that also becomes such a total failure what what 's your take on that um
1: i I one hundred percent agree that it was the most hopeful and beautiful part um I love rose so much i 'm kind of shrug about their romance like if that if that goes there and they do that that 's Super rad. Like uh-huh. I'm not, I'm not that shippy about it, but I'm also not mad about it. Like, cool. They're good people, and they should get to be happy and smooch. Um, but I, I loved that. I loved the casino sequence for the first off for the direct message of rich people are bad.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: like the movie was not subtle about that. Rich people are bad. End of story. Um, and. I loved that it was about inspiring the people who were were genuinely oppressed on that planet to fight for their freedom. And I loved that it was not just the people but, like, Rose um, freeing the horse, lizard, llama yeah. They were thing? Pokemon.
0: There's a po- like Pokemon yeah. in the Star Wars universe. I don't know how they got there, but there they are. That's fine.
1: Yeah. But like her her saying, even when they thought they were about to die, that because they had freed those creatures, it was worth it um, was was really beautiful and powerful. And then they end up on the ship. And it was also the storyline that made it very explicit that if there is a a good and like a right and a wrong side of history, that doing nothing is the wrong side Um, and not picking a side is the wrong side. Um, which again I think was very important for the kind of story they wanted to tell and it was also, it was what drove Finn to finally feel sure of himself and his place and what he wanted and who he wanted to be, even again thinking he was about to die when he decides you know, he's not just scum he's rebel scum and he's proud of it and he's going to keep fighting and that he now sees genuinely the importance of the resistance and it isn't It isn't that he's running away from the First Order. It's that he's running toward hope Um, and, again, willing to die for it. And so I really liked what Rose said when she knocks him off of his, you know, attempted suicide bath and says, it's not about fighting what you hate. It's about saving what you love. To me, that, that also encapsulated, like, a huge theme of the movie, which is, like... Hate and anger can be emotions that drive you, but they're bad ones. But love and hope are emotions that can also drive you. And if you embrace those, you're going to have a much better outcome.
2: Which is interesting because that's part of the whole dichotomy between uh, the affinity for the light and the dark side of the force, right? That, That love and hope, those kinds of things are supposed to be what drives you toward the the use of the force that doesn't hurt people and and subsequently the galaxy it seems every time Whereas going you know, aggressing and, and going against something that you hate is something that that draws you toward the dark side.
1: Yeah, well, I I think I think it was a sort of a continuation of, of that mm-hmm. exact same theme.
0: Well and, and I I think that's a really good way to put it especially because um one of the things that so struck me about Finn's story was and again, this is a minor theme, but it really, I, I thought it was a really powerful one, is that Finn has a little bit of that same dynamic that Luke does of there's this legend that's grown up about him. You know, and when Rose first meets Finn, she's like, oh my gosh, you're this amazing hero. You're this person I've heard all these stories about. Um, and has to realize that later that he's, and, and, and Finn is confronted with that fact of that he, he wants to be the person and the hero, but at first he's not, that he's doing a, you know, completely understandable, but wanting to just run away from everything.
2: Um, well, he was going to he was going to go after Ray, but it's still running away from the current position. Right, right. So it, it's still like that. And of course, her her the mythos built up in Rose's head about him is dispelled in like ten seconds after meeting him, which I thought was really a great moment.
1: Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: That like oh this you've done so much you've done so much good wait what are you doing exactly <laughs> right now?
0: And and Rose's willingness to see that so quickly to not say, "Oh, but you are that person of mythos, so you must be the person." She just immediately is like, "Oh, you're my hero. You're my hero. Oh, I'm arresting you." And and the other thing that I was really struck by was, and it, it, you're right, the casino scene it obviously has a lot of political connotations, which I, I agreed with and I loved. I also though, and I'm, I'm wondering if again I'm 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 reaching a bit too much here, but. On the one hand, things get significantly worse because of Finn, because of what Finn and Rose do. Uh, they also don't know, they, you know, to some extent I blame Poe much more than I blame them because they're not the ones who are sort of actively thinking that, that, that the Admiral has to be questioned. But to me, there's a powerful lesson in there as well about trying to do something in the face of a desperately overwhelming situation and failing doesn't necessarily mean that you were wrong to try. You know, because I, part of what I took from Finn's wanting to 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 you know die gloriously and at the end is he is so overwhelmed by his failure. He thinks he's a failure. He thinks everything he's done didn't work, and so he needs to do something to fix that. And 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 for me, part of the power of Rose stopping him and, and with that incredible line about fight for what we love, not against what we hate, it is sort of trying to say like, yes, we tried something and it totally blew up on us and it totally failed and made things worse. But that doesn't mean we were wrong to try. Does that make any sense?
1: It does. And actually, now that you've expressed it like that, I think that very nicely parallels Luke, who is facing his failure with Ben, and who is not, who ends up saving what he loves. He saves the Resistance. He saves Leia. He saves Ray. Like he, well, I guess Ray's not really an imminent danger there, but <laughs> he he saves those people who he thinks he had failed previously by facing. His failure. Yeah. Um, and what what saves them isn't him killing Kylo Ren. It's not him fighting what he hates. It's him protecting the people he loves so they can escape.
0: I, I don't know if this was intentional, but I find there's, there's a certain... And, and it makes me, again, also so so sad that we've lost Carrie Fisher because we don't get to have uh, her in the next movie. But the, to me, there's a certain beauty about the fact of, you know, the, the, the whole original movies start with Luke and Han trying to save Leia. Um, and at the end, and that those three are kind of the main sort of threesome of the um, uh, of of the the movies. And at the end, Leia is the only one who's still alive, and that she's the one uh, still sort of carrying things forward when both Han and Luke are dead.
2: Yeah, she's the one who gets to continue the the, the only remaining member of the original triumvirate. Yeah, uh, which. In some ways, it's very sad because now she has to live with the fact that her brother is dead, with the man she loved was dead, um, and that her son's kind of a jerk. (laughs) (laughs) She's lost
1: her son, and she – let's not forget, she also lost her planet, like she's – and she lost fighters through the years. She is – Probably the person who was lost the most in that story. Um, And that she is still the person who is most concerned about hope. And the importance of continuing on is just tragic and beautiful, I think.
0: There's that wonderful meme of a screenshot of the the moment in the original movie, A New Hope, when um, uh, Leia is is comforting Luke over the death of Obi-Wan. And, and the meme is, you know, yes, you poor man, you've just lost your, your mentor who you've known for two weeks. Whereas me, I only lost five billion of my countrymen. Um, you know, I, I, I just think we, we never got to have any acknowledgement in that movie or later of, of just what that would have done to her. Turns out the three of us had quite a lot to say about this topic. and So this is going to be the end of part one. Stay tuned for part two on our discussion about The Last Jedi and Star Wars, which will be coming soon. In the meantime, thank you guys all for listening, and please help us continue the conversation. You can reach us on Twitter at SuperheroEthics or on Facebook by the same name, and we'd love to get your thoughts. What did you think about this episode? What did you agree with? What did you disagree with? What were your favorite parts of Last Jedi? What were the parts that um, – what did you think of the use of failure and how it was incorporated as a storytelling technique? Please let us know on Facebook or on Twitter, or you can email us at SuperheroEthics at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you more soon.